The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This presidency is actually going worse than I thought. <laughs> and my complaints about Joe Biden go back a ways, and I'm going to recap that in a minute. But here was at least, I don't want to say my hopes. It's not like I thought it was going to happen. But if I had you know, a wish list, I would assume he's going to take office. He's going to completely shun all the completely nutball parts of his, uh, his party and really govern, govern down the center. Just ignore this, ignore that. But really, what Joe Biden has turned out to be from the very beginning of his campaign 
is a liar. And you can roll your eyes and say, well, all politicians are liars. And for the most part, that's true. I'm not naive. I'm, I'm the cynical one that tells you how it is all the time. I get that they're all liars. But it's really bad that we can't bank on anything a politician says anymore. And overall, that affects the country. You see, right now, what we have in, in, in America, and it's a big problem in America, we have a distrust problem. We have a distrust in our institutions problem. What do I mean by that? FBI is a great example. When I said FBI to you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 90, 95% of you would go, oh, the G-Man, the FBI, what is it? If I say FBI to you today, at least half go, Think about Think about what that means. That's the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the federal law enforcement arm. And I say the name, and your first instinct is, wonder what they're lying about now. That's not good. That's not good. That's unhealthy for a country. There's a doctor, a certain doctor, maybe you've seen him, shows up on TV all the time. This is a, a, a government man, a doctor out there to protect you, and you see his face now, what do you do? Oh, gosh, here we go again. Every single time. The CDC puts out a new memo. What do you do? Okay, here we go. Your governor says something. Your mayor. Here we go. Don't believe it at all. A distrust in the institutions in our society now. An understandable distrust. When I say scientist now, what do you think? Science has been so politicized and used as just a club to beat you and I across the face. I'll t look, I'll be honest. I said, well, do what the science says. I automatically think, oh, so who's trying to screw me over? That's what I think. They all lie now. And they'll base entire campaigns on lies. And <laughs> there's nothing Joe Biden did that aggravated me more than this when he campaigned, when he started his campaign, and he started it with this. Close your eyes. Remember what you saw on television. Remember seeing those neo-Nazis and Klansmen and white supremacists coming out of fields with lighted torches. Remember what the president said when asked? He said there were, quote, very fine people on both sides. It was a wake-up call for us as a country, and for me, a call to action. At that moment, I knew I'd have to run. Okay, that's a lie. And it's not just one of those little white lies. That's a blatant lie. We have what Trump said on video. To, here's what he said, for those who've forgotten. You had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. There it was. That's what he said. 
that very fine people thing is a lie. Just because the entire system pushed it doesn't make it true. And we have the man who's currently occupying the Oval Office. He based his campaign off that lie. And as a quick side note, I always laugh when politicians, when Joe Biden got the, that's when I knew I had to run. Why do they all do this? Nobody says, I'm running for office because I want to be president. Think it'd be cool to be the most powerful man in the world. It's always a, there was this moment. I saw this little girl with tears running down her face, and I knew I had a duty before God. Oh, shut up. You wanted to be president. Nobody asked you to run. You wanted to be president of the United States of America. He lies about everything. He lies about being against political violence. No one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently than the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol. We all, we all know that's true. Hmm. That's weird. Because I remember Black Lives Matter running roughshod over multiple cities in this country. And I remember a bunch of guys in Black Lives Matter getting let out of jail. The truth is Joe Biden is not against political violence, not at all. Joe Biden is against political violence that isn't coming from his side. That's the truth of it. None of what he says is true. Remember when he criticized Trump? Quote, we're eight months into this pandemic and Donald Trump still doesn't have a plan to get this virus under control. I do. And then remember what he said three days after taking office? If we fail to act, there will be a wave of evictions and foreclosures in the coming months as this pandemic rages on. Because there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. There's nothing we can do. Best of luck, everybody. (laughs) But remember, remember the travel ban? The xenophobic travel ban. Quote, stop the xenophobic fear-mongering. Be honest. Take responsibility. Do your job. That's weird because Biden gets elected as president of the United States and, quote, Biden to reimpose COVID-19 travel ban that Trump lifted in the final days. And, of course, you know, fracking. It's just jobs, right? It's just your job. It's not that it matters. Joe Biden's certainly not going to do anything about it. Let me be clear, and I know this always comes up. We're not going to ban fracking. We'll protect jobs and grow jobs, including through stronger standards like controls from methane leaks and union workers willing to install the changes. Hmm. Headline from Breitbart. Joe Biden to ban new fracking leases on federal lands, despite the promise not to. And look, the list goes on and on and on. Remember, he's shattered every record so far for executive orders, just on and on and on. It goes, it doesn't stop. Joe Biden is a liar, and it bothers me. And it bothers me because, here's the truth of it. It bothers me because enough people can't see it. People won't see it. People still in the United States of America, they feel this need to trust a politician from their own party. Really? What we need? We need people who voted for Joe Biden to step up and wake up and realize what he is. 
He is a degenerating ancient politician who's been in Washington for almost five decades. He's got more scummy connections than I could possibly list on this show, even though we're going to do the best we can to lay it all out tonight. The guy doesn't believe a word of anything. The guy believes everything, well, should serve him. The guy believes in power. That's who Joe Biden is. And that's who he's always been. And we should have done better. We should have known better. I still, I can't wrap my mind around the fact we dumped the guy who was kind of vulgar and maybe a bit of a jerk, but extremely effective for the ancient dude who can't think and doesn't do anything right. It is unreal to me still that we did that. But we did it. And look, we're going to have to suck it up now. We're going to have to suck it up now and go with it. Such is life. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. All right, we have a huge show for you tonight. Uh, you're going to laugh. you probably cry a little, maybe, maybe a little cry, but... We have to talk about this. We're stuck with this guy for the next year, month. I don't know how long we're stuck with him. I don't know that it's going to be a year anymore, as you've heard me say, but let's figure out who the guy is. All right, we'll be back. Come on, man. I don't know why we're not talking more about the concentration camps on the border. Don't you remember all that ignorance of concentration camps? I mean, of course, uh, an immigrant detention facility is very much the same thing as what the Jews went through in the Holocaust. But at least somebody in the briefing room is asking Jen Psaki about it. You said it is not kids in cages. We've seen some photos now of containers is there a better description is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages what is the the white house's description of this facility well let me let me give a broader description of what's happening here we have a number of unaccompanied minors children who are coming into the country without their families what we are not doing what the last administration did was separate those kids rip them from the arms of their parents at the border. We are not doing that. That is immoral, and that is not the approach of this administration. Hmm. Not separating kids from their parents. Joining us now <laughs> to talk about that and other things, the managing editor, editor of the Media Research Center, or easy for me to say, Curtis How Curtis, um, it seems like a bit of a double standard, my man. Yeah, uh, Jen Psaki there was caught in some word salad there. Uh, I love <laughs> Peter Ducey's almost kind of trolling there. So, like, if you're not going to say kids in cages, kids in containers, you know, this is kind of a catch-all metaphor for this Biden administration. You know, they bombed Syria, but, you know, it's a woke administration. They're doing it with kindness because America's back, so it's okay. It's all fine. He doesn't need to go to Congress. Curtis. He doesn't need to tell anybody else about it. It's totally fine. Same thing with immigration. He's allowed to do all these sorts of things. And oh, by the way, Jesse, it's not a crisis at the border. It is not a crisis, even though Obama's DHS secretary, Jay Johnson, noted that any more than a thousand people crossing the border a day should be considered a crisis. And we're at like two or three thousand a day. And on Monday, Secretary Mayorkas said, no, this isn't a crisis at the border. So again, these people just lie 
in the press briefing, other than Peter Ducey and maybe a select few others with the case of, I don't know, amnesia or getting hit in the head in the morning uh, and deciding to be journalists for the day. There's not really any sort of curiosity or pushback going on here. Uh, although I think if journalists continue to not be able to go out to these containers, shipping containers with love is love and hate has no home here strapped to the front of them, I think you're going to start to see problems. Curtis, I, explain this to me. Is this just an administration being introduced to the adult real world? I mean, I, I mean, you can campaign all day long. Oh, we're going to let everybody in and I, everything's going to be fine. In the real world, if you have a third world country to our south, which sadly Mexico is, I wish it wasn't because I love them, and you have the wealthiest nation coming right there on its border, you're going to have a flood of people going from Mexico and south of Mexico into that wealthy nation, and you have to detain them because you can't just turn them loose on America's streets. Is that all this comes down to? Yeah, I was going to say, and you know well, Jesse, in te between te your time in Texas and Arizona, you know, you know the deal, that this is a crisis. And yet, yeah, the Biden administration, I think, believes that the media will hold their hand for four years. And I mean, they really do. They'll wear them out. But... You know, at the end of the day, you got to sink or float here, sink or swim. And they're not doing that so far here with immigration. Um, catch and release, that's basically what we're going back to here. Um, you know, and the fact that they even struggle to have to be asked at press briefings if people that come across the border illegally are being tested first for COVID. Uh, yeah, you're not doing so good in that you have to emphasize, oh, yes, of course, we are testing people for COVID before shipping them out uh, to who knows where. Uh, there's no quarantine. You just test them, and if they're, you know, if they're negative, then that's fine. We're just going to move them out here. It's not like, you know, we Americans, you know, there's travel restrictions in certain states, and the northern border is basically locked down. You can't really go anywhere. Uh, that's why hockey teams, you know, in Canada are only playing each other this season. Um, but you know, now is not the time to come, is what they've been saying. But their actions show different uh, obviously here people aren't stupid they know exactly what's going on here uh there's not even a real caravan here it's just a steady stream of people coming up through the border journalists know what's going on here and some of them do admit it but uh you know it's they're more than willing to go along with it because it creates a greater dependency uh from these people to the democratic party and that's what they see here they see money signs and they see voters and that's what the next thing I would watch for, the media to push the Biden administration to get rid of the filibuster or use reconciliation to get 51 votes to legalize all these illegal immigrants. Well, that'll be a flood. Well, Joe Biden, by the way, I want you to listen to this, Curtis. Joe Biden had something to say about there not being a vaccine. And uh, the biggest thing, though, as you remember, when you and I, no, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing to have the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? Okay, well, I'm never going to rely on Joe Biden when it comes to vaccine administration or for anything other than sipping on his pudding. But I will say this, setting aside the obvious lie that the vaccine was clearly already there. How are they planning on addressing this whole coronavirus thing if you're the type of person who thinks this is something that's not going away, it's not going away anytime soon, you came into office with the promise of basically eradicating the thing, how are you going to merge those two worlds? 
Well, yeah, that's a very good question because as we've seen with Dr. Walensky this past week, she started to say, we're seeing a plateau of cases. That's really concerning here. Um, People should slow down and be careful. They're upset that states are loosening restrictions, that these people are so scared to lose their powers. Um, So yeah, that's what they're doing. They're moving the goalposts by saying, I'm going to eradicate COVID and now they're in office. They're saying things are going to get worse before they get better. Well, things are getting better, actually. More people are getting vaccinated. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed, the facts are what they are. That, you know, by May, Operation Warp Speed was moving at full speed. Uh, Partnership between, you know, government, specifically the military and private enterprise getting out of the way and allowing them to work and do what they do best. and pre-purchase all these millions and millions of vials, you know, in hopes that the vaccines would work. We're just to ignore all of this. You know, Jesse, Joe Biden was vaccinated before he became president. So uh, if there was no vaccine then, then how did he get vaccinated? But I'm pretty sure Joe doesn't even remember that. He doesn't even remember being vaccinated. That's probably why we see him wearing two masks when we're out and about here. And the media don't say anything because they know, uh, I guess they won't get puddings or something, their own like little vanilla and chocolate puddings with Joe if they uh, ask him, what's your deal? You sir, you are vaccinated. So Curtis, we'll see, that's why Joe Biden has to do interviews with him now in order to help him. It's easy for you and I to, to sit and rip on Joe Biden because look, it's, he, it's fun to mock Democrats anyway, let alone one who's there and can't form a sentence. But do you genuinely think there's buyer's remorse or at least a little of it at this point? I'm, I, I'm not expecting all of Joe Biden's voters to become hardcore Republicans in the first couple months, but surely there have to be a bunch of people out there thinking, oh man, maybe this wasn't the right call. I definitely think we saw that last week with the airstrikes in Syria. People were not happy about that. Uh, The only people that were happy about it are, you know, the bulwark dispatch never Trumpers out there and Bill Kristol. He probably got off the good whiskey there, uh, drinking the expensive wine to celebrate that. They're about the only people that were happy about that sort of thing. Uh, So we're seeing that, yeah, on Syria, on immigration slowly but surely you know we can't always get what we want jesse but we're starting to see incremental progress here and especially with schools the damage that's being done mentally uh you know to these students and obviously their grades are tanking you're seeing that across the country yeah people are starting to get buyer's remorse and it's incumbent upon conservatives to uh focus on the prize like the president did on sunday at cpac to really kind of lay out and remind people about why we're conservatives, why we're Republicans, why people voted for the president, you know, in record numbers, second most votes for anyone running for president, and how those priorities are really going to drive us forward into the 2022 midterms. And here in Virginia in 2021 with the governor's race as uh, Governor Blackface has to move out. Curtis Salk, everybody. Thank you, Curtis. I appreciate you. Anytime, Jesse. We're not done. Hang on. Come on, man. Come on, man. War is a racket. Everybody knows that old saying, war is a racket, and it most definitely is. And you know Joe Biden. This is this Joe Biden quote. The Iraq war was a strategic mistake that cost the U.S. dearly. 
as President Joe Biden will use military power responsibly and never commit our forces to a conflict without fully preparing for the consequences. That's, from, of course, from the Democrat debate. Joining us now to talk about that and other things, spokesman for the Young Americans for Liberty, Sean Tima. Sean, I've not been really impressed by the dovish nature of Joe Biden thus far. Neither have I, Jesse. You know, first he was Uncle Joe, then he was Amtrak Joe, then he was Sleepy Joe, <laughs> now he's Raytheon Joe. I mean, come on, look. This is point blank what happens when the president puts a military industrial complex before the American people. Bombing Syria is only part of the plan to put us trillions of further into debt, tarnishing our reputation abroad, and leaving the American people behind. Now, if you ask me, I'd rather have a president that's dropping Twitter bombs than real bombs. But hey, at least we get $1,400, maybe. We'll see about that. And plus, the bombs are also being dropped with compassion and unity, allegedly. So I'm sure the Syrian people are grateful for that one. I'm sure they are. In all seriousness, Sean, do we know why? I, I, we all woke up, and of course I don't expect the President of the United States to brief the American people and the enemy before he drops bombs, but we all woke up and it was out of nowhere. What, Syria? We're, we're dropping bombs on Why are we dropping bombs on Syria? What was the justification? Why did we drop bombs on Syria? Yeah, the justification, you know, last time I checked, I just heard uh, crickets chirping from Jim Pisaki. No press conference, I, I believe, has been held on this. But the reason, I would surmise, is it's just business as usual, right? The military-industrial complex has been in bed with politicians for years. Jill Biden's been in the Senate longer than most of us here have been alive. So, of course, someone's probably getting kicked back somewhere for bombing, right? It only took a couple of weeks. Biden still has no stimulus checks that he promised. He's got no $15 minimum wage that he promised. He, you know, already broke the promise on banning fracking. So the only thing that he's, you know, keeping a promise on, so it seems, is keeping the war machine alive. And I agree with you. War is a racket. I hope you're not trying to imply that Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is somehow connected to the defense industry. Oh, that would be a cruel and unusual connection to make. I mean, it's not like he was on the Raytheon board of directors shortly before he came over to working in the White House. I mean, that would be ridiculous, but... It's unfortunate, it's true, but, you know, Joe Biden is just a continuation of the status quo that wants more war at the expense of American people, American dollars, and someone's making money somewhere. Why does the American political system love it so much? Is it just money? Is that all it is? It's money? I, I, because it seems like it's everywhere. It's more than half the Republican Party. It's all the Democrats. It's, of course, it's not hard to figure out why generals love it, but what is it? Is it just money? You're spot on with money, but I think that, you know, when you think back to when Trump was first universally praised by the media, it was when he too, right, bombed the Syrian uh, bases. And there's a sentiment that the corporate media likes to push that taking action, right, whether it's war or more laws or executive orders is doing something. And the American people have been sold this lie that the government is best when it is doing something, regardless of the consequences. What I'd really love to see is the government just go back to defending our rights, it's what the founders intended, trying to be as limited as possible, instead of doing things for the sake of making themselves look effective, much less bombing sovereign nations. Sean, 
The Libertarian Party is, is something that fascinates me. I, I, on all those stupid online tests you take, I come out as one of those. I don't know if I'd call myself one, but it seems like so many of their ideas are in line with the way an American would think if you talk to somebody individually. Yet the party itself is consistently out in the wilderness. They just they never gain any real traction, and everybody hates the Republican Party. Even Republicans hate the Republican Party. Why is the Libertarian Party never caught on as a viable third option? Well, quite frankly, I think that a lot of it has to do with just the barriers to entry of money, right? You run the numbers, you'll probably need a billion dollars for a Libertarian Party candidate to break through and have a shot at potentially winning the presidency. I think the strategy that I see a lot of folks taking on, Young Americans for Liberty included, is building up at the state level, right? Finding a viable path to winning, right? And getting elected, getting into power. Right now, best way to do that is through the Republican Party and running on a message of limited government, free markets, civil liberties, and peace. And so if we can get enough people elected who are going to carry you know, the parts of the Libertarian Party's message that resonates to the American people, this common sense, limited government, then I think that's how we get somewhere, starting local and building up. Do we have a good stable coming up? This is not something a lot of people pay attention to just because it's not sexy. You know, you you probably know the, the, the new hot congressman, you know your senator, you know the president, you know all the national stuff, but it's local politics where stuff gets done. How's the GOP bench looking these days? You know, I'd say it's looking pretty good, right? You look at the state level, you look at some of these politicians in Texas and Florida, Anthony Sabatini comes to mind in Florida, right? He has risen up and he has challenged, before DeSantis lifted the mandates, the unconstitutional mask mandates that are being put in place by the counties, right? Chipping away at those, chipping away at those. Eventually, you see DeSantis removing the mandate entirely, right? So we can take local action, we can challenge the counties, we can challenge the governors, right, to move. And all it takes is a couple of good people standing up, uniting, and saying enough is enough in the state level. And I'm pretty optimistic about that. Sean, just not Democrat, Republican, not left, right, libertarian, whatever the case may be, but just as an American, I don't like that we have a commander-in-chief that's not a functional adult. And I don't like that everybody can see it and nobody feels comfortable talking about it. I, as detestable as she is, I'd rather have Kamala Harris there. I think it's embarrassing for the United States of America that the president himself cannot do a five-minute interview without his wife holding his hand for him. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, some people would call that elder abuse. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now. You know, you see a lot of American people who were... They were energized, they were fed up with the system, and unfortunately, they channeled that energy into maybe anybody but who was in charge at the time. Now we've got a guy who unfortunately can't string sentences together without help, needs help from his wife to conduct an interview. It is sad to watch, and you know, I'm disappointed in the people who push this forward and push this forward you know, just to get a taste of power. You know, I want the best, and I would you know, pray and, you know, for a president to be good and for our president to be stable, and just I hope that we can see things turn around there. What do you think Joe Biden's piece of legislation is going to be? Because I hear so many things. I hear amnesty. I hear this H.R. 1. I hear it's gun control. Assuming that a new president, especially with, a Congress in, with, with all of Congress in control, gets about one piece of legislation. That's the amount of political capital he has. What's going to be theirs? Sure. Well, right now, if you're looking at this stimulus bill, they're going to try and tout that as a victory, but it's just another piece of malarkey, right? That Joe Biden put forward. He promised those $2,000 checks, 
right? He promised that and he mobilized the Georgia Senate runoff. People say $2,000, $2,000. Now we're getting $1,400 if you're lucky, right? They just put an eligibility requirement there. Less people than under the Trump administration are going to be getting checks under the Biden administration, which is just so ironic. But at the end of the day, this legislation they're putting forth, Jesse, it's nothing but a wealth transfer from the American people to the radical left, the social justice left. You look at some of these itemized things in the stimulus bill, a billion dollars for racial justice for farmers, $750 million for assistance for foreign countries with the CDC, $112 million for Nancy Pelosi's bridge to nowhere, the Silicon Valley Underground Railroad. I mean, you just look at the facts and you say this also has nothing to do to address COVID. But another point of malarkey there, Biden did admit in his first 10 days that there's nothing we can do to stop the trajectory of the pandemic. So, you know, at least he's honest about that. But I see this as their landmark piece. And I don't see really anyone being happy about it. Sean, I appreciate you, man. You as well, Jesse. Thanks for having me. It is just amazing how this coronavirus thing has been so great for Democrats. What, it's been a dream come true for Democrats, everything they ever wanted. What a disgrace. All right, we're not done. Hang on. Come on, man. Well, we all remember what Joe Biden said right after he got elected. I mean, look, like any child, as soon as he gets his way, he said it's time to stop fighting. Quote, the election is over. It's time to put aside the partisanship and rhetoric designed to demonize one another. We have to come together. Boy, I tell you, I don't know about you. Since then, I've felt all kinds of coming together with these people. Joining me now to talk about that and other things, former NFL player. Wait former New York Giant, that's much better than being a former NFL player, and obviously the guy's a member of the Black Voices for Trump Coalition, Jack Brewer. Jack, haven't you been feeling all the healing since Joe Biden got elected? I've never felt so much healing. Oh, yeah, we're just, you know, one big, you know, liberal, fluffy uh, ball of love <laughs> here, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Some of the things that are going on, man, I tell you, I've I've never, you know, it's 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 sickening because I got a I got a three year old, an eight year old, and then I have a twenty two year old and a twenty one year old, and I don't even know what to talk to them about. It's like some of these things that this guy is doing, uh, really, you know, it it makes you sick to your stomach. I mean, it's not it's like he's trying to divide the nation more uh, versus what he said, which is bringing the country together. Jack, I'm glad you brought it up about your kids because my boys are 10 and 12. And I, I don't do, even though I do this for a living, I don't do a lot of politics with them. They Obviously, they hear enough about what dad does that they're going to pick up on it. But we focus on history and stuff like that. We still talk about politics. But now, I mean, they, they see the president on TV in the few times he's on there. They see the things they're doing. I don't agree with them. What's the right thing for a dad to do right now? I don't want my kids to be, you know, political, but I can't sit and let that stand when they're asking what they, about what the president's doing. How do you handle it? Man, you know, I, I had to really do some soul searching and talking to my wife. Uh, and I've just been reading scripture with my kids uh, because mm -hmm. the things that I would normally teach my children, you know, the left is teaching everyone and pushing uh, this mentality that 
you're prejudiced or you're racist or you know you're you're anti-LGBTQ or you're anti-transgender. Uh, it's all about always about labeling you as anti, and you may be just sticking to your principles and saying, you know what, I don't think it's okay for a girl to line up on a track uh, and have to run against boys. You know, or you know what, I have a daughter and I don't want boys in the restroom with my daughter. I mean. It, we've gotten to a point in our society now where, you know, we're getting shamed because we have common sense. And when we're talking about man and woman and issues that we have no control over, right? There's two sexes. God created man and woman. We, we can't even stand for that. They're making us out to be like we are the ones who are, you know, <laughs> racist and sexist and every other derogatory name you could find no matter what skin color you are, if you're a conservative right now, like you are labeled worse than anyone, black, white, green, or purple. If you're a conservative right now, you are taking a lot of heat for your fundamental God-given uh, beliefs. You are, and it's funny you brought that up. This is a conversation I had with mine last weekend uh, of, look, for what you believe, and we were talking about all that, you're born a man or you're born a woman, and, and this is what we feel about sexuality, and this is what we feel about this. These are normal conversations that would have been had in any country in the history of the world. But I had to tell my boys this last weekend, this is what we believe, this is what we will always believe, and your, right. your country is going to hate you for believing this. I hate to have to have that conversation with them, but I had to have it, and that's... That's a bitter pill for a lot of parents to swallow to prepare their kids to be hated. It is, and I'll tell you what, think about this, because it really hit me uh, the other day when I was having a similar conversation uh, with my son. Uh, thinking about all those kids in our country that don't have dads like us, man. Think about it. Those are the real victims, yeah. kids that don't have fathers in the home or fathers around them to be able to have these discussions in these trying times. I mean, these are the kids that are going to fall prey, unfortunately. Uh, when I go into the inner cities or go into communities uh, and see some of these children, man, you see these girls walking, these guys walking around like girls and vice versa, uh, and it's become a culture. Now it's a culture. And so, unfortunately, you know what happens to culture. When you create a certain culture, uh, you're, you're either shamed into doing it uh, or you're shamed if you don't. Uh, and so it's all about shaming, and it's, it's really sad that our kids have to live in this society. But, you know, you got to feel bad for all those kids that don't have dads like us that can be in their ear and teach them right for wrong and give them uh, these fundamental lessons. Jack, how do we take it back? Now, I, I, I've, we've lost the culture. I've always said this. We have lost it. It's gone. They own the education system, Hollywood. They, they have it all. They control what you see, what you hear. They have it. Okay, well, that's, that sucks, but we can't cry in our Cheerios and give up. That makes us the counterculture now. Doesn't that give us an opportunity to be cool? Because young people love counterculture. That's why they love it. We got to figure out a way to make it cool uh, dealing yeah. with the media that silences us and shadow bans us, right? So it's hard. We can't even speak the truth anymore because, you know, they'll just completely eliminate us and they will literally counsel us uh, and the media is supporting this mess. Uh, the only way we are, we're going to end this is if we can uh, get our government uh, in some way, we can show up uh, in droves in 2022, uh, get, flip this Congress and this House and, and get, take the Senate back so that we can actually get back to some fundamental uh, laws uh, that protect free speech. I mean, free speech is literally under attack in our nation. Uh, you know, the core values and principles that this country was built on are under attack 
and the left uh, is okay with it. And you know, you have a president that if you if you watch him, go back and see how Joe Biden's views and perspectives have changed over the last thirty years. It'll make you sick to your stomach. I mean, this man uh, has re- has literally become the puppet of the left, uh, and it's just sad. You know, I pray for him because you can tell he's a disturbed, demented man um, who who just mentally. Uh, has a lot going on in his head, and and so you know, right now I just I ask I ask God to cast the demons out of his soul, because uh, some of the things that he's doing right now, he's not acting as the Catholic man that he claims to be. I pray for the man, Jack. I I don't think he, I don't understand as as his wife, and I'm not judging any. I'm not in anybody's marriage. I I don't I don't I don't judge anybody as his wife or brother or loved ones, whoever it may be. How do you take somebody who clearly just needs rest? We're all going to get old. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get old too one day, and all this is just going to break down. How do you take somebody in these years who needs rest and care and relaxation and throw him into the most stressful job in the world for power? I've never understood that from his loved ones. How does nobody step in and say, enough's enough? You know, it, it makes you wonder, man, and, and I don't know what happens, you know, in their home and you know, I don't want to comment too much on what they do or what they don't do, but we all know Joe Biden was under a lot of heat, man, from his son and some of the things that he was involved in. Uh, you talk about, you know, multi-million dollar um, accusations and, you know, proven accusations of taking money from the Chinese and from the Ukrainians uh, and all of these things surrounding him. Uh, and we all know Joe's history, man. And, you know, you can just watch him on video and see what type of guy he was. And so, you know, at that point, you know, I don't blame them for wanting to take power because, you know, I think they would have been in a lot of heat uh, had they not won this election. Oh, man, that is an ugly world. Jack, tell me about your foundation, please. Man, we just go out and try to speak truth to these kids, man. First and foremost, here in the U.S., we, uh, you know, we work with using sports as our vehicle. Uh, to get to these inner city youth and, and and show them and teach them, you know, why this country is so uh, amazing. We teach them why they are so amazing. We teach them that they are not victims. Uh, we try to empower them. We try to get their reading and math proficiency levels up. Uh, and then we also do a lot of work uh, in Haiti and Malawi uh, across our borders and some of the communities that, you know, are in extreme poverty, kids that don't get uh, access to, to clean water or food. Uh, we go out and we bring them medical relief. Uh, I mean, these are these are kids that we can help support for a dollar a day. Uh, and so, you know, we just try to serve, man. We try to live according to the word of God uh, that tells us to go out and help the fatherless and the widows uh, and those in prison. We run prison programs both for the juveniles uh, and for adults in prison. I actually just got back uh, a second ago from buying. I buy a new pair of tennis shoes for uh, any inmate in our program that gets released from prison so they can walk out of there with some dignity. Uh, and turn their life around and start to be, you know, uh, citizens in our in our society. America is the place of redemption. Uh, America is the place of hope. No one's a victim if you live in this great country. If you think you're a victim, come with me over to Africa or Haiti, and I'll show you why America's so great. Jack Brewer, man, that was awesome. Please come back and join us. Appreciate you very much. Anytime, man. God bless you, man. Keep fighting the fight, man. God bless. That guy was freaking awesome. Jack Brewer Foundation. Look into that. We'll be back. Come on, man.
Joe Biden is president of the United States of America for now. It is our job to call him out every single step of the way. That is just the truth of the matter. We have to call this guy out every single step of the way. And I want you to remember this. I want you to remember exactly how they treated Donald Trump. I want you to remember that for a long, long time. It's not that we need to call Joe Biden out for revenge. It's that when our guy gets in, do they take days off? Did they ever sit back and say, well, I guess we're stuck with him. Forget it. No, they didn't. They were after him time and time and time again, throwing roadblock after roadblock after roadblock in front of him. You and I, we have to do the same to Joe Biden because this, this presidency, it's left of Barack Obama's right now, far left of Barack Obama's right now. This party is nutso and they have total control, not just of the government. They have total control of the culture. So, batten down the hatches. It'll be a long four years. We'll see how it goes. All right, I'll see you. Come on, man. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. Now I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.